0: And um, he deposited this word within me about a month ago. And we're in the end of saturate. And if I had a subtitle uh, for this series, it would be the power of your story. And I know what you're thinking. What does that have to do with saturate? And I want to share with you guys today that your story, your individual God story you can share the gospel with just your story. And if you knew how much of an impact you would have on somebody next to you or around you, you would share your story. And I'm excited and we're going to be jumping into the book of John. And it's a story that we all know and I felt like Lord, like, we know about the Samaritan woman. And honestly, I wanted to name her because saying the Samaritan woman every single time is really long. So I was like, can I just name her Jane? And then we'll just go from there. Um, we may know some of, we, a lot, she's well known um, because it is a powerful scripture also speaking on worship and the, authentic, the authenticity of worship. But I want to jump all the way to the end. And I told the Lord, I said, this doesn't make any type of sense. Because I'm jumping all the way to the end. But I promise I will explain. It's John 4, 25. And this is after he already met her at the well. And they had this whole conversation about who she was and about who he was. And she responded and she said, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none, none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And verse 30 said, so the people came streaming from the village to see him. We're going to pray. Lord, we bless you and we thank you just for everything that you have done, oh God. Father, I ask you that this, this story, oh God, may penetrate and empower and encourage all of those sitting here and all those who are online, Lord, to share their story. To share your gospel, God. Father, that they may be eyewitnesses to others. Of what you have done in their lives. I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So, um, really, really, really quickly, my household is a huge, huge, huge Hamilton fan. I don't know if any of you guys are Hamilton fans. We are huge Hamilton fans in my house. And we got into it during the pandemic because us, like the rest of the world, had nothing else to do. Um, So we started watching it from the house. And in that, my kids can recite every single word, every single song. I have seen them act it out on like soap boxes and, you know, things like that. Standing on things in the house where I'm like, you're going to fall, right? And they did all of that. Thank you so much for that, for the instrumental. And, you know, we watched, I think... I don't know, I'm, don't judge me. I'm thinking we've watched it over a thousand times. Easy, right? So it is good. So I took advantage of that, that tenacity they had in them. And I told John, who also, my husband, who just deals with my crazy. And I said to him, let's go take the kids to go see all the sights. And he's like, what? I'm like, we got to go. We got to take them to Yorktown. We got to take them to where, he, where they fought the, the Revolutionary War. We got to take them to Virginia. We got to take them to all those places. I want them to see what exactly happened. And I want them to know that the place is real. Because I want them to understand that these things are not just fiction for them. It's not somebody, a character in a book, but this was an actual person who shaped our country. So we went. We went on a long trip all the way down to Virginia. Seven hours, guys. Because we drive because I don't really fly. Seven hours with the kids in the car. Don't ask me how that went. They're still alive. That was a few years ago, and they're still walking around. So we went, we took the children, and they loved it. We came back to New York. And every so often, I'm like, let's go to Hamilton's house, because there's also a Hamilton house here in the city where he bought his property. They love that. And I told John, I said, it inspires me to know how much history of a person can change the way that we think and the way we see things in life. This was a man who came from nothing to this country. And he fought his way up to become a lawyer. He wrote the Constitution. Right? He fought for the Constitution. He fought for our country. And he came and he built our financial system as we know it. And I say that to geek out first. And second, to let you know the impact that he has because to this day, the stuff that he put in place is still around. Whether you know it or not, whether you understand it or not, the things that he came up with back then, we still use. And it got me to think about the impact and the generations later on of these things. And I wanted to share with you today, and just allow me to show you how your story can do the same. How your story can impact your generation, it can impact your house, and it can impact, the, it can impact people for Jesus. The Samaritan woman, I, I, I was reading her story again, and I'm telling you, I've read it a thousand times. And I thought about her because I said, you know, she's one of the first women to just run and tell the gospel. And honestly, if I'm going to be honest, I wanted to really name it, Run Tell That. And all the older folks know what I'm talking about. It's a comedy, uh, a comedy thing. And I thought about her because I I picture her at the well. And I picture Jesus who had to go, he was coming from um, from Galilee and he had to travel. And I picture Jesus sitting at the well. And this is perfect because I have water here. So I see him sitting at the well at noon. And then I see her coming up the hill. And she's coming up the hill and I'm almost positive she was startled by him because nobody's ever there at that time which is the reason why she comes at that time. She comes because of her story. She comes at that time by herself because of the things that she's gone through. And I can see her standing like, wait a minute, what is this person doing here? And I wonder to myself, if she's standing there trying to figure out who is he, why is he here, he's never here, I don't know, stranger danger, whatever. And as she's trying to figure him out, I started thinking of Jesus. And I said to myself, I said, Lord, I know she's standing there trying to figure you out. But I know you know exactly who she is. And you know her whole story. And you intentionally placed yourself there because you knew she was coming there. And then I started thinking, I said, Lord, and how many times in our own lives do you intentionally insert yourself into our story? Not worried about what, we, not worried about what we've done. But just to insert yourself just enough to spark the curiosity of who you are. And I read on and I'm like, wow, Lord, that's insane. And when I tell you, it's, it's the word of God is so living. Because this story, I grew up in church, guys. I've heard this story a million times. And I've never looked at it in this way. And he inserts himself into the story. And he goes and he asks her for a drink of water. And then I started thinking to myself, well, Lord, the well's right there. Get yourself a drink of water, right? And then I started thinking, I said, Lord, how clever were you? Because you knew that she was capable of being able to serve you a drink of water. Because she went with her jar. You knew at that precise moment that you were opening the door. That you would just needed to put your foot right in that space to meet her where she was and tell her, give me a drink of water. And she says to him, how am I going to give you a drink of water? I'm paraphrasing. It's John 4. You can read it. And I said, and, and he goes, she, and then she tells him, how are you are going to get a drink of water? You don't have anything to pull it. And he says to her, if you only knew who was speaking to you, you would be asking me for water. And I said, wow, Jesus, that's good. That's so good. And then he goes on to say to her, to explain to her, you know, what's funny, what's curious was after they had that conversation, he goes and he, and she was like, well, give me this water. And then he says to her, go get your husband. And I'm looking at the text and I'm like, go get your husband. I was like, how do we go from water to husband? How do we jump from what you can do, how do we jump from there? Like, I'm like, that's a leap. I'm like, Some, somebody must have left something out. It's a reach. I don't know what's happening here. And she asked him and she goes, I have no husband. And he says to her, you're right that you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands and the one you're with now is not yours. And I said, okay, Lord. I was wondering if in that precise moment you were waiting for her to tell you her side of the story. And I said, and she did. And I'm going to paraphrase again. And they speak about worship going all the way down to the verses. And then we jump to verse 25 where she left her water jug and she starts running to the village. And he says, and she says, she goes, come meet a man who told me everything that I have ever done. And I'm reading the passage and I'm like, that's, that's interesting to me. Because you've only told him one thing. And then I felt when the Lord said to me, yeah, but her identity was tied into that one thing. So in her expressing it to, the, to Jesus... She's like, hey, come and see the man because I've tied myself to this one thing that I have done. And he didn't shy away from her. He didn't walk away from her. But her story, and let me move back for a second. When she ran down the hill, this is my thinking mind. When she ran down the hill, she's running. The Bible says she ran to tell the village. And I'm thinking to myself, did she doubt? Did she think, hey, what are they going to think of me? Because you have to understand, there's a woman who came to the well by herself because of her situation. She was an outcast placed. Nobody wanted to be with her because of her situation. Nobody wanted to deal with her. So in my mind, I'm like, is she running down the hill thinking, what are they going to think of me? What are they going to say of me? What I haven't spoken to them in years, right? This is all my artistic mind here. But with all of that stacked against her, she still decided that she was going to run and tell. That she had met a man... Who she said, hey, I think he's the one. And that's what happens in our lives. Jesus comes in. He steps into the scene of our stories. And then, he sa- and then you get a spark within you. Because you hear of the Messiah. You hear of how good Jesus is. You hear from somebody you may know. Somebody you may not know. And then you say, hey, you turn around and something within you says, hey, he may be the one. He may be the one you've been looking for. He may be the one who can step into my story and rearrange my whole life. He may be the one who has died for me and thought about me and came to bring me salvation and redeem me and restore me. He may be the one. And the woman at the wells did just that. And let me tell you how powerful, how powerful her testimony was. If you go down to verse 39, it says this. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because of the woman, because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him for ourselves. Not just because of what she said, but because... The little space that was given to Jesus, he was able to say, hey, I'm your redeemer. Not just to the woman, but because of the woman and she used her story. I want to challenge everyone here today to use your story for the gospel. There are things in your life that God has done that you think you've been alone, or you think you've gone through them alone, but you haven't. You have the, You've gone through them, he's been with you to share with others. To share with others what you have done and what you have said. I'm not saying it's not painful. I'm not saying you didn't cry. I'm not saying any of that. But what I am saying is that when you're walking through that path with Jesus, it makes all the difference in the world. When you understand that he is your healer and your protector and your counselor and your refuge and your strength and your joy, when you understand all of that, it is infectious when you share your story. It is infectious. This Samaritan woman ran down to her village and she changed the way an entire village moved with her story, with her story. I wanted to share with you a little bit of my story, of my personal story. I know a lot of you know I grew up in church. I just said it before. I grew up knowing Jesus since I was eight years old. Growing up in a church where things weren't always grace centered. And no fault of anybody. I don't blame anybody for that. I don't, none of that is not, that's not what I'm doing here. <laughs> that's not what I'm doing. But I'm sharing it so you can know because I grew up in a space where everything I had to do was, how, was, was dependent on how good I was. On how good I was able to sing, on how good I was able to behave, on how good I was able to dress. On how, all those things dependent on that. So I used to go to church every Sunday because I had to. I used to sleep off whatever it is, whatever partying I did Saturday nights. I used to go sleep them off in church every Sunday. Don't judge me. I'm just saying, that's what I did. My son's looking at me like, wait a minute, you used to sleep in church? Um, but in the middle of all of that, I rebelled, I did what I, you know, what I wanted to do, and God was still there. I grew up, I had a baby at 18, um, Then I got married. I became the talk of the town at that point. And in the middle of it all, God was still there. It was to the point where I felt like I was too good. Like I had to show the world how good I was. But on the inside, I was falling apart. It gets so bad that I convinced myself of how good I was that I used to tell the Lord, I don't even know what I need saving from. I'm good. So save those people. You know, the ones who have issues. I didn't think I needed saving. As I got older, the Lord still pursued. I'm going to tell you a funny story. I was in a club. No, I know even little on me. I was in a club. That was my thing. I used to go dance. I used to drink. I used to party it up every weekend, almost, in my twenties. And I'm my drink and my two-step. That's what I was doing. Drink and my two-step. Surrounded by hundreds of people. How much? How much running away can one person do from God? And you think you're out chasing, that you're, you're, you're running too fast that he can't catch up. In the middle of the club, I don't even know what was playing. I'll spare you the vocals. I'm there dancing with my friends. We're having a good time. Hundreds of people. All of a sudden, I don't know if you've ever felt this moment where you got like you almost got stopped in your tracks. I got stopped in my tracks and I hear this voice. And the voice tells me, you know you don't belong here. And I looked around. My friends are partying. I'm like... But my spirit knew. Because I grew up in church and I was like, Lord, I hear you. And I wish I could tell you that was a story where I went to God and I kept moving and i you know and i came back to church it wasn't i said lord i hear you and i'm going to go back to my business in the middle of all that he still pursued but on the inside i was dying my own perfectionism my own necessity to be good was killing me softly the burden was too much. I went back to church at 28 by someone here who relentlessly was used by Jesus, Pastor Ro. When he tells you, keep inviting, keep inviting, they'll come. That was me. And he saw it all, right? I think through all my 20s. One day he was a co pastor. He's like, hey, come to church. And I'm like, oh, pastor, you know, I'm still doing A, B, C, and D, E, F, G, H, I, J, you know. And I'm like, but I know, I know. He used to tell me I have the syndrome of I know. I'm like, I know, I know. I'm going to go, I'm going to go. So I get there, and at this point, um, the Lord speaks to me again. And I was so angry. Because I was like, why do you keep chasing me? Like, yo, let me be. Let me leave me alone. Me, little me, telling that to a big God who created the universe. And I said, and I finally gave in. Almost like, it was if you think about a spiritual tantrum, that's what I threw. I like stomped my foot and I was like, fine. I'm gonna be here now forever. And you're not getting rid of me. Ha! Deal with me now. This went told God. All right, you want me? I'm here. Now I'm going to stay here. Now you're not going to get rid of me. As if I was doing somebody a favor. What I realized years later that that was all he needed. With my spiritual tantrum and all, that was all he needed. Was to step into the space. He needed me to say that so he can step into the space. I'm not saying that it hasn't been a struggle. I'm not saying that there weren't things that, he ha- that we had to work through together. We worked through a lot together. But the beauty of Jesus is that he won't forsake you in those spaces. The beauty of your story is that you can share with others that he will not forsake you in those spaces. He wants you, the entirety of you, and he wants you to share the, that story with those around you. You don't need lofty words. I, I, I held on to, I, was, I went to the book of Acts. And I think we have it up there, right, Luke? And we have the book of Acts. Because I know sometimes we get caught and we don't know enough. We don't know enough Bible. We don't know enough scholarly stuff. We don't know enough things like that. And then I found this and I said, my man Peter... And he goes, the members of the council were amazed and they were, they were, they were spreading the gospel and they got arrested and, and, they want, and the council didn't want anything to do with Peter. They just, Peter and John, they were just like, I'm tired of you, you're spreading the gospel, it's too much. But then he said this, he goes, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. So that excuse, check out the window they also recognize them as men who have been with Jesus. You want your resume to know how you spreading the gospel with your story? Let them know you've been with Jesus. This married woman had no training, no special training, but guess what? She had been with Jesus and she spread her story. I wanna encourage you guys as we stand here today, And we're going to be doing baptisms and we're going to, and this is going to be so powerful, but there is no special training needed. All they need to know is that you've been with Jesus, that you have seen him, that you have heard him, that you have felt him, that he is working with you, that he hasn't forsaken you, that he loves you so, so much. It will move mountains around you. It will move mountains around you. Take it from a person like me who didn't think she needed any saving at all. But little did I know that he knew the story. And he had saved me from many things, even from myself. The burden that I placed on myself. He has saved me from that. The worship team can start coming up. I was very excited to share this with you all. Because sometimes I feel like we get very discouraged. Because we don't sound like, look like, studied like. But we see it right here in black and white. There was no special training. The only thing that qualified them was that they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. What story can you share with those around you? where the only qualification is that you have been with Jesus. What story? Those who are getting baptized today, I have it in my notes. I'm like, yeah, welcome to the next chapter of your story. The next chapter where you may not know where you were yesterday or where you were an hour ago, but you know today that you're going to be with Jesus. This is going to be the next chapter of that story. And your story is going to spark the one next to you and spark the one after that and spark the one after that. And spark the generations after that. And the stuff that you're doing today and the plant that you're doing today with your story, you will be amazed at how much God can use with a little. You will be amazed at how much God can use with your story. And how important it is. And if you came here today and you said, hey, I was thinking about getting baptized. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. But now I don't have clothes. Now I don't have anything to wear. Now I don't have a towel. Now I don't have a brush, whatever it is. We got clothes for you. We got towels for you. We got everything you need. Let this be the beginning of your next chapter in your story. Because God can use it mightily in a way that you have never imagined. I'm going to pray. Lord, we just thank you, God. We bless your name, Lord. Father, I just thank you for those who are going to be in this place today, oh God. I thank you, God, because you're the author and finisher. You are the author and finisher of our story. Lord, and I come against anything, oh God, that says anything to the contrary to anyone here, oh God. Lord, let them be like the blind man. Let them be like Samaritan woman. Hey, I don't know much, but I know that I was with Jesus. Let their story saturate, oh God. Saturate your good news to those around them, oh God. Father God, it could be the simplest of things. It could be the simplest of things, oh God the person in the grocery store, the person they're walking by in the street, oh God. Father God, but let them be recognized, oh God, that hey, that person, that person's story, that within that person's story, I have seen Jesus. Lord, I just bless you and I thank you, Father. Father, I ask you to bless those who are getting baptized today. Lord, that heaven may rejoice with us, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray, Lord, amen and amen.